We are Chelik Rishon, and uh, we are in Perik Dalit, and we're up to paragraph Zion. So he had mentioned, or Rabchal mentioned, that the way that the neshama uh, is able to purify the body, because that's the problem, that the neshama is in many ways uh, captivated, or sort of like a prison, in the body itself. So I had mentioned that the neshama has the ability to purify the body, except that there's a divine decree that it cannot. <clears throat> so what the neshama then does, it obviously what the mushroom therefore did is that uh, he assigned the neshama, or the, the uh, neshama actually, uh, specific acts that it could do in terms of interacting with the physical world. And when it interacts with the physical world, then uh, if it does so in a prescribed manner, it will begin to purify the body in terms of a credit, which I had mentioned. That the, uh, the purification of the body, which is ikuch, doesn't happen now because of the uh, sin of Adam Harishim, but you build a credit and ultimately in the end when it will happen, uh, which uh, it will happen um, at the end of the Messianic era. That's really when it happens. Yeah. It could have happened, yeah, but he didn't. Because he sinned. I, I mentioned why, because what problem is, because the Adam Rishon sinned, um, the Zoyama, which means that the Sotan, or rather Adam Rishon fell into the world of the Sotan, and therefore, Zikuch, the Nishama can Mezakech a goof, but it cannot be Mezakech, it cannot purify. Uh, a um, zoyama, it can't remove evil, but it can re it can remove material, materialism, physicality. So therefore, that's why you need, like I mentioned previously, you need ganeden, because what happens is the neshama leaves the body, and goes to a uh, a uh, sort of like a resting place, uh, where it waits, <coughs> and then when tchias happens, when the resurrection of the dead happens. Right? Then the body gets up without Zoyama, without this, this uh, um, pollution of the Sutton. And, and then later on, but, but the, the, the Neshama does not purify the body at that point. It has to wait until the end of the Messianic era, which is the year 6000, which is 2240. And at that point in time, the entire universe is purified. Okay, and not, wait, 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 and not. And not the goof, you see. Because you have to remember something which we don't realize, that the universe is really an extension of the neshama. Uh, we don't realize that, but the universe is an extension of us. And therefore, the first thing that is purified is the universe itself. And though that's what the Gemara means by Chat Chorov, that 1,000 years the world is desolate, uh, which means that Chidush Oilam, that the world is purified uh, during that 1,000 year period. But the goof and the neshama, the neshama doesn't purify the body in a sense that it now becomes a translucent being, the body. What happens is that the body uh, becomes inert. It has no more drives anymore. But it's still physical. But there are no drives, there's no urges, there's no needs, none of the needs. It's like an inert substance that the neshama is now uh, encapsulated in. And that lasts for a thousand years, but the universe is purified, you see. And then after the 8,000th year, that's when zikuch haguf takes place. That's when the neshama begins to purify the body. In the English year, 3240, yeah, which is a thousand years after the end of the world, you see. And that zikuch process takes 2,000 years, so, so it takes 3,000 years, from 6,000 to 7, to 7 to 8, 8 to 9, and then finally the, the body itself is purified totally, and then in the year 9,001 begins Eilim Haba. So in the 10,000th year, the future world begins. That's the way it works, you see? Uh, and therefore, that's when Zikuch happens. The only thing is that the preparation of Zikuch happens, uh, when Mashiach ben David comes. So when he comes, then the, uh, there's resurrection of the dead, and as a result of that, the body is now 
uh, re- the, the zoyama, the pollution of the satan, Satan is removed, and therefore the body now in potential can be purified, but it's not. <coughs> you see. Uh, now, but certainly during the time of Mashiach Ben Yosef, there is no Tchias Mesim. And uh, it's going to be a Mashiach Ben Yosef Tkuf is a very rough period because that is a time when the world has to change, where the Mashiach Ben Yosef has to undo or overcome all the evil of the world. That's a very, very troublesome period. It's an incredible transition period. It's probably equal to when a woman is about to give birth from the time that the infant or the embryo is in the uterus until it comes out, that, uh, that transmi- uh, transition period is probably the equivalent of the Mashiach bin Yosef's time. You see, you gotta leave the old and get into the new, you see. And that obviously is a very difficult period because it means that evil has to be vanquished. And the one who will ultimately destroy evil is the Mashiach bin David. You see. Uh, um, Yosef basically paves the way for Mashiach bin David to be able to vanquish it completely. Yeah, that's right. So although Mashiach bin Yosef also contends with evil, and ultimately he will subdue it. But remember, you can subdue evil, but it's still there. To eradicate evil is Mashiach bin David. means to destroy it for all time. That's Mashiach bin David. And not Mashiach bin Yosef, you see. But like I say, the Tkufa, the period of time of Mashiach bin Yosef, will be a very difficult time. Because this individual has to contend with the entire evil of the planet. And I want to tell you something, there's a lot of evil out there. It's an enormous amount of evil. We don't even recognize how many people are evil. Partially, totally, or whatever, you know. Um, um, but, but, there, but there is, and so on, you know. And I'm not just talking about on a national level. Even on an individual level, there's a lot of evil, and so on. But anyway, that's what he contends with, contends with, and ultimately he, he's victorious, because that's the guarantee. And therefore the process begins, you see. So therefore, uh, and as, as I mentioned previously, we are basically in that time period, so on, you know. So therefore, what the Nishama needs... When, the, when the, the, the fuel, let's use that expression, that the neshama needs to do this when it will be able to happen is what's called the mitzvahs. What a mitzvah really is, is an ability of a neshama, an individual, a person, to interact with the physical world in a physical way. It's really what it is. But um, if that physical way... <coughs> If the interaction of that physical expression of the individual is in a certain prescribed manner, and that is called a mitzvah, then that interaction with the physical world in some manner will <coughs> allow the individual at a certain point in time to begin to refine and purify and dematerialize the body. Therefore, what's important to know is that Judaism demands interaction with the physical universe which is very different than other religions. There's no such thing as a monastery uh, in Judaism, unless you want to call it a yeshiva monastery, you know, where you learn and you don't interact with anybody, you know. But, um, you know, because all the mitzvahs force you, <coughs> force you to interact with the world. And this is really what goes on. So therefore the mitzvah is a device that allows an, an individual to purify the body. That's really what a mitzvah is. And I had mentioned, I think, was it two weeks ago? That the way it does that is that the mitzvah is really a testimony that you believe that besides God, there's nothing else. And I explained that, the different levels of doing the mitzvah. And therefore, that's what the mitzvah does because it forces you to suspend your will and accept the will of the Rabbanishlam, of God, and therefore, measure for measure, if you testify that God is the only being, and therefore you will experience that, and that we begins to will ultimately enable the uh, the soul to transcend the body, in the body itself. You see. So this is really what goes on, and that's what the Ramchal says. It's very important. The whole concept of a mitzvah is that device. 
you see. <clears throat> and I had once given a shear, we went through the whole shas. If you remember that shear. That was an interesting shear. Uh, and you notice that when you go through the whole shas, <coughs> ultimately, <coughs> the whole shas can only can boil down to six different ideas, and each one is an interaction with the physical world. Okay. The first idea of these six, uh, each idea is really a central idea of an entire seder, order of the Mishnah, which is really the entire oral law. It's really the details of the Torah and so on. Uh, so the, the first major area is what's called ownership or bilus. You see, the whole concept of ownership. And that's really Seder Noshim, the order of women, which is all the laws concerning marriage and so on, and how to acquire ownership and dissolve, dissolve ownership and so on. Ownership is, a, is one of the most important relationships that an individual has with objects. It's called entity relationships. One of the most important relationships that a person has is with another object in which he's allowed to control that object. That's called ownership, you see? So therefore there are all kinds of laws concerning your, that relationship which is called ownership and uh, that you have to uh, adhere to. Uh, these are the relationship of how, of course, to acquire, to create ownership, to dissolve ownership, the rights of ownership, the control rights of ownership, and so on. You how see. Does, how does ownership relate to kedushin? Who? How does ownership relate to kedushin? Kedushin? It's, not a, it's a, like a person. Meaning, Ki- kedu- it's part of nashim, right? Yeah, masech the kedushin. Yes. So then, how does kedushin relate to ownership? Because kedushin tells you how to create issues. Issues is marriage, right. and marriage is ownership. When you get married, fundamentally, according to the Torah you have control over her, that's ownership. Anything that you can control halakhically is called ownership. Because the definition of ownership is what? Is it's a legal state or a halakhic state in which an individual has rights of control over an object. That's all it is, you see? So any object that you can control legally, halakhically, you're the owner. Whether you can control it partially or fully. Because sometimes you're a partner. You know, that's what ownership, that's all it is. Is that there's a halachic or legal right, right, to control an object. Uh, so therefore your relationship with that object, right, is called ownership. So say the Nashim deals with all the laws of ownership, how to create, to acquire the responsibilities of ownership and so on. The interference or the negation of ownership is nizikin. It's the opposite, it's the flip side of ownership like, the, you know, Bava Kam is all about damage doers, you know? It's also about uh, ownership uh, doubts. Who owns this? You see? Um, what can be owned? What can't be owned? What happens if it's a doubt in ownership? And so on, you know? Um, what happens if uh, you, empl- you hire a guy and he becomes your employee? So then the question is, how much do you owe him? Why? Because he has ownership over your money. Because he worked for you. You see, ultimately, it's all about ownership. So there, there there's two sedarim of shas. There's uh, nashim and azikin fundamentally deal with ownership, the positive side and the negative side. You see? Then besides the relationship called ownership, there's also what's called activity regulation through time. That's moyed. Based on a certain time period, your activity is regulated. That's what Shabbos is that your activity is forbidden, right? Or your activity is required in all the different holidays. But it is time that causes the prohibition or the uh, what do you call requirement. So mayat, say the mayat, is all about activity regulation within a certain time period, you see, whether it be required or forbidden. Zeroyim is all about object usage permissibility. I own something, but who says I can use it? You need to do what? You need to either make a bracha, or you need to give truma. You need to separate a tithe, and then you can use it, and so on. So zroim is really all about object usage permissibility, and which objects you can't use, you see? And that's really after ownership, you know? I mean, if you really wanted all all of the shas, conceptually, you'd sort of like reverse it, right? First, noshim would go first, 
that is ownership. The zikin would go second. That's to all the issues, the interferences, and the doubts of ownership, right? And then you would put zroim, because zroim is well. How do I get to use what I own? You see. And then you would have moed, which is a regulation of activity. You see. Now the only two uh, sedarim left in shas really is kachim and taras. Kachim is about your relationship with an entity called God and what you have to do to serve him in the Beis HaMikdash. So the Beis HaMikdash is his house, his residence. You go there, right? And you relate to God through Kobanus or and so on, you see? So that's called entity relationship, you see? So you relate to an entity called God or the Shekhinah. And the last state of Shas is Taharas, where you relate to an entity called Tumor. You see, got that? So that's it, it's all Shas. The only thing I left out, really, is the correct behavior, which is Perkyovus. You see? So if you think about that, that's the, all the ideas of Torah, right? It's either about ownership, problems of ownership, usage of that which you own, right? Activity regulation within a certain time period, how you relate to God in, in his residence, or how you relate to Tumor, which is a spiritual entity, you see? And what are the laws that are concerned with the, the flow of Tumor, spiritual entity, and objects? There you are. Have I left anything out? Isn't that amazing? That the whole Shas, you can organize in six ideas. You see? And each Masechta is, is nothing more than an outgrowth, you know, is a branch of those six ideas. You see? And therefore, that's what the Bansha wants. He wants you to interact with the world in all these different ideas. Because obviously the Bansha feels, whatever, that the concept of ownership is critical because almost everything in the world is owned by somebody. You see? And the whole concept of your activity being regulated, the usage of what you own, and how you relate to God, and how you relate to a spiritual entity called Tumma, which is a defilement and so on, you see? And if the person does that, then what he does is he purifies the world. And he purifies himself. So, that is the totality of the mitzvahs that the Benjamin has given, you see. <clears throat> now, the Ramchal also says something that there are two things that God, in a certain sense, are, are devices that allow the Neshama to do this. The first is a group of activities which you are commanded to do. Those are called mitzvahs, which I just went through. Okay? Uh, so, <clears throat> these mitzvahs, of course, you are commanded to do. And if you do them, they serve as a device, ultimately, that allows the neshama to purify the entire universe. All of it. <clears throat> okay, but the Ramchal also mentions that there's a second series of devices, <clears throat> which strictly are not mitzvahs. You see. But what they are is that what you do to interact with the world because you need to survive. You need to eat, to sleep, to drink, and so on. There's a whole series of activities, okay, which you do in order to survive. But they're not prescribed. You know, it's, for instance, a mitzvah is a definite activity that you need to do, you see. But you also need to eat, you see. But eating obviously doesn't involve a specific food. You can, it's optional what you want to eat, when you want to eat, where you want to eat. Uh, you see, but you need to eat in order to survive. You see, and therefore, but if you have in mind uh, when you are doing the, ne the necessary acts as opposed to the commanded acts, if you have in mind to do the necessary acts, you see, then if you do, if the intent or the kavana is that you want to do those acts in order to serve God better, because you need to eat in order to have a strong body. You need to drink and so on. In order, in other words, if your kavon, if your intent is to serve God better by doing these things, then the Ramchal says that these things themselves 
<coughs> will act in many ways like a mitzvah, and they will give power to the neshama to purify the physical universe. Even though they themselves are not mitzvahs, because they're optional, you see. You don't have to eat, you can fast. But whatever you do, if it's done with the intent that with this you all want to serve God better, because in some ways it promotes your health, then that activity itself will also serve as a device to purify the world. Interesting. Yeah. That means if you, get out, if you go to a gym and say that, you know, you think that I'm going to the gym because I need to increase my muscle strength, right? Obviously. And I need to um, uh, get more energy, strength, and so on, right? Uh, and it's also obviously for health purposes, aerobics, and so on. Uh, then that is the equivalent, almost, of doing a mitzvah. You see? Even though it doesn't say anywhere in the Torah that you should join up on a gym. It doesn't say anywhere in the Torah. Gym membership is not a commandment. Right? But if a person does do that, and his intent is because he wants to be healthy, right? In order to advance his ability to serve the Rabbani Shalom, then that also is a device that can put a guy in a position where he ultimately will rectify creation. Can you um, elaborate the, or quantify the, the differences between a mitzvah and Zan L'Shem Shemayim? What do you mean by quantify? Meaning, you said it's almost like a mitzvah, but not quite. Yeah. What is the quantifiable difference? Well, I mean, the, the, well, the main idea is that it's an option. Was these things you have to do in order to survive. So that's the option, you know? You decide what you want to do, where, when, and how, and so on, you know? But when you do do it for that purpose, okay, then it, it becomes a device that enables you to do zikuch. So you're saying that it's, it's sort of like a lack in the anal Mavado aspect since you decided what to do? Well, it's not, it's not a lack in the anal Mavado because the fact that you're dedicating this to the service of God is not an Eino is an Eino Yibavadoy. So that was optional a problem? It, no, no, it, it's not that it's a problem, it's just that it's different. So it's not, so, so it is like, a, it is a, on the same level as a mitzvah, just... It's not the Gedalah Well, you know, Gedalah Matsuva and Eino Matsuva is, is um, you know, a mitzvah is, it's interesting. Oh, it's like Avram Avinu, right? Avram Avinu did the mitzvahs and he was not commanded at all, yeah. right? So what was it? Was it a mitzvah or not? But what's interesting is that there is a 613 acts or actions that does correspond to the 613 parts of the guf or the neshama. You see? Whether they are, you know, whether they are commanded or not does not remove their parallel to the, that aspect of the neshama. You see? So if you do the 613 commandments, if you are commanded, right, then it's a greater reward than if they're not. But apparently, if you do the 613 commandments, it does con uh, it conform in some way to the body. And it does serve to do something for the body. Except the reward level is not the same. As opposed to Rishos the same Shemayim. As opposed to what? Rishos L'Shem Shemayim is what we're talking about. Yeah. Well, they, they, they don't correspond to the uh, 613 aspects. They come, the, the, their connection with this whole idea is because you are doing acts which are really optional, but you are doing it for the sake of the Rabbani Shalom, to serve him. So they automatically, that invests them with the ability to be a device. So you're saying that, that there are certain uh, set Acts well, which well, do it, and then there's uh, acts which are optional, which don't do it, but if you have in mind, serve, then it does it. So, so one is, one, right? yeah. Is the difference is that it's, it's, one is directly connected to, and it's necessary conduit or whatever you want to say. Yes. Necessary, but the other thing is things you just kind of can make the, make into a mitzvah, so to speak, or make into a tikkun device, whereas, you know, but it's not connected to any specific necessary tikkun. Yes. But it is misogyny anyway. But it is, yeah. Because the main idea there is what? Is the, um, is the fact that you dedicate it, you channel it to the Bhagavad itself. 
you see. So that's a very important idea that the Ramchal says. <coughs> because like I say, the major idea is the intent in those optional in those optional actions. Yeah. Ah, so that's an important idea. That a per, see, tzaddikim do this. A tzaddik, which is very interesting, that's what it means, makadish atzmai b'mutolach. Sanctify yourself with that which is permitted. What does that mean? It means that whether you are commanded or not commanded to do something, and even if the act is optional, you, you can use all of this as a way of, uh, of uh, enabling the neshama to purify the body. <coughs> and in the end, that's what a tzaddik does. A tzaddik, everything he does, that's the whole concept in many ways, a uh, famous statement, Shivisi Hashem Negdi Samad, I have placed before me God, always, right? There are a, 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 a tremendous, what's called tzaddik, Oyved, worker, Kodesh, holy person. What he does, his whole way of thinking, <clears throat> is everything he does is only for the sake of advancing his service to God. That's a tremendous, it's a very difficult madrega to reach. Where the constant thought of a person is, I want to do this only because I want to serve God. No other reason. It's a very difficult level of service. But in many ways, that's what a tzaddik does. You see. <coughs> and uh, those are the uh, madrigas. Those are the levels, really, of, um, um, of the Mesilat Sharm. There's a lot of different chapters in the Mesilat Sharm. The, the path of the just, which is the, what the Ramchal wrote. And those levels of, of advancement, right? If you're familiar with, if you remember the book, Mesilat Sisham, the path of the righteous or the just or whatever, right? Um, there's a series, a whole series of chapters that outline the ladder or the steps to achieve uh, what, um, uh, tremendous holiness. And the difference is, you know, in the beginning he talks about well, there are things that you have to do. There's the mitzvah sasei, positive commandments. There's the mitzvah loy sasei, and that you have to be zoris, enthusiastic with energy. Zohi, you have to be very careful, uh, <coughs> and so on. <coughs> but as you go higher and higher, then what happens is the person becomes more and more attuned that everything he does is now in the service of the Rebbe Shalom. Even those things that are purely optional, you see? He walks in the street. So I'm not talking anymore about observing, you know, uh, mitzvahs and so on while he's walking. But imagine he's saying to himself, you know, he's thinking, well, I'm walking because it's healthy to work, walk. And if I walk, my heart gets better. And the whole cardiovascular system gets better, right? And I'm doing exercise and I'm breathing fresh air, which gives me menucha. You know, it puts my mind at ease, and therefore, when I get back to sit and learn, I now can focus and concentrate on the learning much better. Uh, you know, a tzaddik is a 24-7 oivet. It's really what he is. Whether he's doing something which is a mitzvah, <coughs> a commandment, or he's doing something which is a necessity, but it's optional, right? He's still thinking about God that in some way it's connected. That's a Shivisi Yid, a Shivisi Jew, you know. That's a Jew that always thinks about God 24-7. That is a very difficult Madrego. There are people who reach that Madrego, you know. And, uh, you know, uh, <clears throat> I mean, the classic many tzaddikim and so on, who only thought about God, that's all they thought about. <coughs> and the only thing, in fact, Ramchal says, uh, uh, you know, some of the others from and so on, you know, a person of that caliber will always ask himself, what would God want me to do in this particular action? What does he want from me in this action? 
you know, it's, 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 it's what's called the highest level of God consciousness. It's really what it is. It's a conscience, it's a constant state of God consciousness, you know. Um, now the unusual part about that <clears throat> is that in order for a person to be God conscious, he has to remove what's called self-consciousness. Most of us, if you think about that, what, what do you think about most of the day? What, what do you think about most of the day? Right? I, I, don't even answer me. Of the I, M and of the Y. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but anyway, <clears throat> no, no, well, that's a specific thing, you know, but most people think about themselves. What do I have to do to make it? You know, it depends on your value system, right? Guys said, well, what do I do? I, you know, I gotta make money, you know. I wanna have fun, I wanna have entertainment, you know. I need a vacation, you know what I'm saying? I, I need to buy something for my wife, you know, and so on, you know. I need to uh, hug my kids. It's like a million things, but it's, it's always about my needs. Think about that. The common denominator of almost all mankind is my needs. Me, what do I need? Therefore, what do I want to do? Right, think about that. Yeah, of course it's money, it's, it's, it's so many different things, you know. Um, but, it, but the common denominator of all these different areas is me, yes? That's what it's about, right? My needs, what do I want to do now? What's gonna make me happy? What's gonna get me moving forward? You know, how am I going to progress? But if you think about it, what the Ramchal is saying is that Sadiq is the reverse. You never ask about me. It's always about him. What does he want? You see? Now, I'm talking about an incredibly lofty level. But you have to know what the lofty level is. What do these people do? <clears throat> it's always about what does God want? You see? And how can I comply with his will. That's really what the ultimate tzaddik thinks about, or kodosh. I mean, you want to think about, this is what many tzaddikim, rebbers, you know, rebbe, Hasidic rebbe, something like that, this is what they do. And each one has his madreka, his level of achievement. You know, <clears throat> but ultimately, in tremendously great people, you know, let's say, uh, give an example like the, you know, the Belzer Rebbe, who's an awesome tzaddik, you know, uh, and there, there are many, you know, all they thought about is, what can I do to make God happy? Not that he becomes happy, because God has no emotions, but what can I do that he will say, I like what you did, you know? And that's the question. In the mind of a tzaddik, that's all they think about, 24-7. It's interesting. It's the reverse of what we do. We are self-conscious all day long, no matter what area it is. With a tzaddik and a kodosh, a holy person, it's always about God consciousness, God directed. What does he want me to do at any given moment? You see, or how can I serve him now? You see? That's the, it's, it's literally an opposite, diametrically opposite consciousness. Uh, therefore, what is interesting is that not only when a person does that, tzaddik, right? Not only is he rewarded when he actually does the prescribed act called a mitzvah, fine. But if he's doing this all day long, that means he's chalking up credits 24-7. Because the concept of the options, you see? That's the Chiddush of the Ramchal. So you say, okay, so he does the mitzvahs and I do the mitzvahs, you know. Uh, and, you know, the only mitzvah that he can do continuously is learn Torah and the, what's called the six uh, continuous mitzvahs. Fear God, love God, believe in God, trust in God, and so on. Okay. But other than that, what, is, what more can he do? No. Because what the Ramchal did is he just created a whole category of devices called the optional. You see? Which you can, which actually becomes a device for the tikkun, right? They become a device. So it comes out that a tzaddik, when he's doing the mitzvah itself, fine, 
then they are devised. But when he's doing all the options, which is, the, which is probably, what, 95% of the whole day, whatever, they become devices in order to achieve spirituality. You see? So it comes out that a person can actually be arming uh, <coughs> the neshama 24-7 because of the concept of optional or the avoid of the options. Let's use that term. The avoid of the options. Got that? Do you see the chiddush? You see the incredible idea of what the Ramchal is saying? See, because normally, like I said, we would say, well, you do the mitzvah, fine. You don't do that. If you're not doing mitzvahs, so you're not doing anything. So what's happening? Uh, you know what I'm saying? But when the Ramchal introduces a category B of work, of ideas or service, which is the concept of the optional avoider, then that means a guy can be earning reward 24-7, not just when he does the immediate mitzvah. And therefore that separates people from a tzaddik. You see how it works? That's the incredible consequence of what the Ramchal is saying. That you now can engage in what's called employing the device, right? To do tikkun. Yes? 24-7. So it's not just when the mitzvah becomes available. It's now every single second can be a second of tikkun. Wow. That's an incredible chiddush. That's a profound uh, idea that the Ramchal is now saying. And ultimately speaking, that's the difference between, and th- that's the different levels of what's called the Avodah. That is the different levels of the service to God. So therefore, let's look at it like this. Let's look at it, I think, mathematically. One end is all self-consciousness. Everything I think about is all about myself. Nothing to do with God. Yes? On the other level, the diametrically opposite level, the person only thinks about God. I imagine you could put Moshe Rabbeinu in that class. Right? Right? Moshe Rabbeinu. That's all he thought about was, what can I do to help, not help, but serve God? So you got two different, the continuum has two opposite polar sides. You know, question is, where are you? Where? In this incredibly long continuum, where are you? Uh, what's the ratio? You know, you can look at it as a ratio, you know. Self-consciousness, God-consciousness. So it's called the SG ratio, self and God, right? It's a ratio, you know. Is it 95% self, 5% God? Or is it 95% God, 5% self? It's a ratio. You see, it's called the SG ratio. Interesting. <clears throat> but wherever you are, no matter, in, in the, in the, in the uh, God ratio, consciousness ratio, whether it's a mitzvah, and now the Ramchal has added the concept of options, <clears throat> then, you, the, then, then, then that, that provides you with the ability of incredible continuity of serving God. You see? So the avoider really becomes what? See, this is the mistake that people make. It's not so much, well, it's an avoider of mitzvahs, you know. Well, you know, <clears throat> how many mitzvahs did you do versus how many averas did you do? You know what I'm saying? Remember, avera is the opposite of a mitzvah. Look at it that way, right? You have a mitzvah, you have an avera, sin. Correct? That's its opposite. <clears throat> but is that the real ratio? No. The real ratio if it was only mitzvahs that did the tikkun, and therefore the opposite of various that didn't do the tikkun, then the ratio you'd have to be is what? Sin versus mitzvah, or commandment, right? That's the SC ratio, right? Sin versus commandments. Yes? That would be the ratio you have to concern, because that's the only thing that does the tikkun. <clears throat> But now that we introduced, Ramchal introduced the concept of options as a device, so it's now, and, and the, what, what fuels the option is the God consciousness part, so now no, no longer the ratio of sin versus mitzvah. It is now self versus God. You see what happened to the formula? Changes. 
So most people think, and this is where they're at. You know, there's a, a very important concept that I'm introducing. Uh, so most people think, well, what makes a tzaddik is the uh, sin-mitzvah ratio, right? A tzaddik has more mitzvahs than I do. You know what I'm saying? So therefore, he's a tzaddik. And uh, Russia does more sins than mitzvahs, so that's what makes him an evil person, a Russia. Yes? But that's not really what it is. It's not a matter of good and evil. It's a matter of self and God. Because we now see that there's a whole series of option ideas that if you think about God, that's why you do it, then they become the equivalent of a mitzvah. You see, so it's no longer sin versus mitzvah or commandment. It is the God versus self. I have just changed the formula. You see? Does it go the other way around also, Mr. Manon? Say that again? Someone does a mitzvah for self, let's say. He does the act of the mitzvah. Uh, so then the he... is wrong. Yeah, so, so it diminishes... So, yeah, so yourself, yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, you're sure. So what will happen is, he did the act, but you have to remember one thing, but there is part of the kavana, the intent, is I also want to do it for God. Because you did it. Yeah, why would I do it? What? It's all skill. Yeah, yeah, but you know, I'm just saying, you know where you see that? You know where you see that? For instance, it says, You don't eat or drink blood, right? Do you get reward for that? You tell me who in his right mind, other than if he's a vampire, is going to eat blood. You don't eat blood. You know what I'm saying? When was the last time you ate blood? Probably when you bit your lip. You know? Nobody eats blood. So do I... Re- if, so if all of a sudden... Um, you're walking by, let's say in a hospital, right? And you see this, uh, this bag of blood. You say, eh, I'm not going to eat this stuff. Excuse me. Because God commanded me not to eat, drink blood. I mean, other than that, I'd be drinking this like crazy, right? Like coffee, right? If it wasn't for God commanding me, right? You got to do that. I wouldn't touch this with a 10-foot pole. So the question then is, if I look at blood and I say, I'm not going to eat this. Well, what's the reward? Where's the God consciousness? But there is some level of consciousness that I do not want to eat because it is forbidden to eat blood. And you get tremendous reward for that. It's a Mishnah in, in Makas. You know? If a, in, in Mishnah makes a Kavachoyma. If a person doesn't eat blood, of which he anyway wouldn't eat, and he gets schar, how much more so is that which he would do and he doesn't do because God said no? You see? But anyway, you see from that Mishnah, that to, re- to abstain from doing a sin that you'd never do anyway does give you some amount of reward. You see? Reward and the, and, and, and the, the power of the, this device that uh, purified the materialism? Yeah, yeah, sure. Well, that's same, reward. Yeah. Same thing. Reward, tikkun, oilam habots, they're all very similar concepts. Yeah, exactly. You see? <clears throat> so, if there's no... The reason for that is because there's somewhere in the subconscious there is a little bit for Hashem. Yes, yeah, there is. I mean, if you, obviously, if you know that you're not allowed to drink blood, you know, I don't know how small it is, but you're not going to drink it because it's us. It's forbidden. Yeah, you wouldn't do it anyway, but there is somewhat of a reason that you wouldn't do it because it's forbidden. So that uh, is a, that itself makes that mitzvah extremely powerful. It's really powerful. It's interesting. <clears throat> you see. But you see what I've done. What the Ramchal did is by adding the whole dimension of a tikkun device. Remember tikkun device? That which creates rectification. Which is the ability of the neshama to purify the whole body and so on. He just expanded the tikkun device from a mitzvah to the options. Which means you now change the formula it's no longer so much well is he a sinner right or is he a a, a, a mitzvah doer no you see what it really becomes now is he into self or is he into God consciousness you see because the concept of God consciousness adds to all the options that themselves become a tikkun device mitzvah just because you're doing it for God's sake. So that really is the correct ratio. Self versus God, 
consciousness. That's an SG ratio. As opposed to sin or vera, right? And mitzvah, which is commandment. You see? So tzaddikim are on the SG ratio. So now you can understand what the tzaddik is. When you look at the Messiah Shalom, see clearly. A tzaddik is 98% God, 2% self. You see? A regular guy is probably, it said, a regular guy is probably 95% self. And that's good, right? And, uh, you know, everyone's himself and 5% God. That's a regular guy, you know? A Russia is all self. Nothing to do with God. You know, <clears throat> you know which is interesting, if you ever walk down, I, I sometimes I used to think about this, you know? Yeah, if I had to go to Manhattan. You know Manhattan, yeah, you ever go down Fifth Avenue, one of these places? It's like, where in the world is everybody running to? It, 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 it's like, it's like, you ever see an ant colony? <coughs> ant colony? It's like every ant is doing something. What are they doing? They're all doing something to contribute to the ant colony. I guarantee it's not one ant that has an idea that, well, what's in it for me? Think about that. Ants don't do that. Neither do bees. Bees and ants, these are called social insects. They give up their life for the colony. It's astounding. Mamish, you know? Uh, so to them, it's all colony conscious. Or the queen bee, or the queen ant, whatever they call that thing, you know? That's all it is. Okay, but that, that's what their, you know, that's their genes, and so on, you know? So I'm walking down, and I'm looking at like, uh, you know, it's like I look and I say, <clears throat> at this given moment, you know, and uh, let's say I'm on, uh, you know, f well, Fifth Avenue, wherever, you know, really what, Times Square, Times Square, whatever these places, right? I said, I said <clears throat> in this moment, how many people of the tens of thousands of people running around, like ants, who now has one thought about God? Think about that. One. Is there anybody of the thousands of people running around now that has an inkling, a second thinking about God, who is he, maybe how can I do something, you know, to observe? Anything to do with God? Any holy thought? Interesting question. And my supposition is no. That I don't think of the thousands, the, the tens of thousands of people that you know, are in any given square in Manhattan, nobody thinks of God, period, you see. It's like, well, you know, it's like these people, you know, if I go to church, maybe I'll think of God. That, that's it, you know. But as soon as they leave church, most of mankind doesn't think about God. Think about that. That's why in many ways an Orthodox Jew is so rare, you know. It's really a rare species. Because Orthodox Jews think of God far more often than the average person, you know. They really do. Their SG ratio is much greater in terms of the God aspect than the self aspect. Whereas most people in the world, do they think about God? You see? It's interesting. I don't know if you think about that when you walk down these, these heavily populated areas. Who in this area is thinking about God now? Like, where are they all running to? You know, like, it, <clears throat> and it's also another thing, thought, uh, thought that I have. You know, it's, it's astounding. How can the fact that this world is zero and will cease to exist absolutely, totally, as if it never existed, and the whole focus of all existence is the Ulam Habo? Is God and the future world. How is it possible that all these people have zero consciousness of the only thing that counts? You ever think about these things? Maybe I'm weird, I don't know. I think about these things. <clears throat> you know, it's like, it's astounding to watch where they're all running around uh, and the only thing that counts ultimately is Oilam Habo, is God, the Rabbani Shalom, right? That's, that's all that counts. Because when this world is over, it's over for all eternity. You ever count eternity? 
The incredible thing about eternity is that after a hundred trillion years, you still have eternity to go. You didn't start. Yeah. You didn't start yet. Exactly. That's after a hundred trillion years. You know, you didn't start yet. You see. Uh, so when you compare, this doesn't make sense. Uh, the entire, the only thing that really has meaning is Oilam Habo and God. Nothing else has meaning in terms of its endurance. Yet I'm in the middle of a Times Square or wherever I am, and you look around and, and nobody's even thinking about this. That to me is appalling. Think about that. You know? You have to probably be weird to think about this. You know? Uh, but it's a real thought. It's a correct thought. Uh, in other words, how can it be that the whole concept of Ilam Haba and the Bersham, which is the only thing that counts, it's the only thing that has meaning, everything else is absolutely non-existent or irrelevant, be so totally absent in the minds of all these people? See? Interesting concept, you know? That shows you the incredible... Hester, the tremendous concealment of true reality. You know, if you ever thought the true reality is concealed, you can't even begin to understand how concealed it is. That you could have millions of people running around Manhattan and nobody even thinks about God the entire day. Yet that's the only thing that counts. You see. Anyway, Remember, next time you're in Manhattan, or it's not even Manhattan, go to any area, any area that has a big population in it, just ask yourself, how many people are thinking about the Rabbanu Islam, about Oilam Habo, about how to get there, you know? Anyway, so we have moved from the continuum called mitzvahs, uh, mitzvahs and sin, that the real continuum is not sinning, and commandments. That's not the continuum. Uh, so therefore, you can judge yourself based on that ratio. But since the Ramchal has added the whole dimension of options, so you now have to go change the formula to self versus God. Because it is with God consciousness that you've now changed all the optional behaviors, every one of them, into a mitzvah. That's not bad. And that's how you now be, decide concept of <clears throat> where are you at not how many mitzvahs did you do that day and how many sins no how much have you thought about God and how much have you thought about yourself and whatever is into whatever self needs <clears throat> and whatever you need uh, 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 to uh, function and so on you see that's the true way of thinking and there are people who do that there are people they're called oivdim, which are far and few in between. There are people that work. What do they work at? Do they work to do a mitzvah? Is that what they work at? Yes. But that's not really what it is. When you look at the Ramchal's Messiah Hashem, the work is to go from self-consciousness to God-consciousness. That's the real work. Mitzvahs, of course, are included. Because if you're doing it for God, we're going to do the mitzvah, you see. But the real thing is consciousness, you know. What's on your mind all day long? See? I guarantee you that Moshe Rabbeinu, Rabbi Akiva, Vilna Goyen, you know, um, the Baal Shem Tov, Hasidic Rebbe's, uh, you know, um, Tzadikim, Chavz Chaim, and so on and so forth. I guarantee that all day, they, it's not the mitzvah that made them so great. Don't think it was that. Because I told you, what's the difference between you putting on film and Moshe Rabbeinu putting on film? It's the same straps the physical act is identical uh, the difference was in his consciousness and how much he wanted to serve God you see Isn't that interesting so I've just turned around the whole real consideration of what a person really has to think about in terms of being an oivade and ultimately that's what the Muslim show is all about how to go from self-consciousness to God consciousness you see, where God becomes the center of your life, not the peripheral. You know, most people have lives where they are the center, 
And God, God is, as they say, God is not even on the radar. <laughs> Forget about being peripheral. He ain't even on the radar. You know what I'm saying? So not only do you have to put him back on the radar screen, you got to put him in the middle. You see? But listen, you know, this is, the, this is what it's all about, you know? As I say, I don't collect tax. I don't, I don't charge tax. I collect it, you know? Th this is what the, the, the Ramchal says. Uh, you see, so it comes out in the end that what the Ramchal says about the whole concept of options, optional behaviors, with the kavana, the mindset of doing it for God, completely changes. It's called a paradigm shift. Notice. It changes the whole focus of what a Jew, the real Jew has to do, is change the consciousness of himself versus God. It's really a paradigm shift. It's a game changer. It's not well, how many mitzvahs am I going to do? No, no, no. How much do I put God in the center of my life and everything else on the peripheral? It's a very powerful uh, Ramchal uh, and so on. Okay, any questions? Yeah. The, uh, the tikkun that, that, we are, that we are working towards yes. to bring the Gilu Yishkina <coughs> in this world? Correct. Now, the more I think of Hashem, that is the Gilu Yishkina? The more you think of Hashem, uh, that is a tikkun device. Is that how men make no, a the Gilu Yishkina? No, the Gilu is a real Gilu. That happens by itself. That's not me doing That's it. not you. That's the Messianic era. That happens in the Yemus Mashiach. So the more I think of Hashem, the more... The more tikkun you do to bring to Makar of the Giloi. Correct, yeah. Although in a certain sense what you're saying is interesting. Because probably it's not just we have to wait till Mashiach or to get it from the dead. You know what I'm saying? There is a concept that if you do a mitzvah or you always think about Bersham, there is a certain aspect of the Shekhinah that will rest upon you, yes, even now. It's not just, well, the dessert, you know, well, the meal comes on later on, you know, no, no, it doesn't, there is, a, and that's the concept of Ruach HaKodesh or, or a Tzaddik is a Kodesh. He can feel a Kedusha, yeah, and he does that by thinking about it. What? Feinstein supposedly was traveling through Manhattan. Yeah. And he had his head down because he was traveling through Manhattan. He had his head down. Had his head down. He probably didn't say everybody else. Had his head down. <laughs> and supposedly he suddenly told the driver, Where are we? Get us out of here quickly. And they have me in little Times Square. He was in Times Square. He had, they were driving through <clears throat> Times Square. And he said, Get us out of here. Yeah, he, he felt the tumor. Yeah. Yeah. Well, did you ever do that? Did you ever feel Toma? Has anybody in this room ever felt Toma? Maybe if I was thinking about it, I, you know, not instinctively. I mean, I don't want to, yeah, I'm not, I'm not uh, if I go to Manhattan, you know, I remember I was once walking. I feel the lack of Kedusha, I mean, you feel it. I remember I was once in Manhattan, and all of a sudden I stopped and I said, I can't believe what I'm feeling. You, I could feel the Toma, I can cut it with a knife. That's how bad it was. You could feel the tumor because tumor radiates. It radiates spiritually, so what happens is it hits your neshama. Even though it, it, it doesn't hit your consciousness per se, what it does is the tumor, it's like matter and antimatter, you know, and it hits your neshama, and your neshama immediately projects it to your consciousness, and you can actually feel tumor. Oh, yeah. Sometimes you're sitting around people who are really, really very far. Yeah. And you feel very bizarre. Like, you, you feel very weird. You feel there's something not right about the surroundings. Yeah, that could be a certain aura of, of, uh, of uh, evil or sin or something that you are picking up. But you pick it up. Your neshama is, a tra is a, uh, uh, an antenna. We don't really, we have an antenna. The antenna is the neshama. We, but, but you see, but if, if the person himself is not a great tzaddik, but he's into a lot of things, then he won't feel it because... Most you're into it in the shama, that's how much you'll feel. Yeah, because you're, because you're into it anyway. You know, you're not going to feel, you know, you know what I'm saying? If you, if you put a black spot on a black clothing, you don't see anything, you know? But if the shama, if, if the person has to be much greater in consciousness of, uh, of Kedusha, then he will feel it, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure.
yeah, of course, yeah. The, the test is, go to Times Square, right? And to see what you feel. Yeah, that, that's barometer, the indicator, right? <laughs> or go to Las Vegas, I mean, away, you know, whether Tuma's like, you can cut it, you know. Yeah. Yeah, although it's funny, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can feel it now, it's just real. Also, extremely thick. You know, if you go into the... What? Yeah, but I, I, I once, I was once walking in Tel Aviv, you know, and I, I said, what in the world is this? I just walked in the street, and I just felt this terrible sense of tumor, terrible to feel. You feel too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's another time I was feeling incredible Kedusha in Tel Aviv, you know, because the Kedusha obviously was uh, subduing the tumor. But I remember I did once feel a terrible, there was this, just a terrible aura about Tel Aviv. It is, unfortunately. But uh, if you go to, a, if you walk into Shashchem, not Shashchem, you get killed in Shashchem. <laughs> if you go into Shayafo, you know, you know, and you begin walking in your old city, unbelievable what you feel. Forget about the Kaisal, that's a whole different experience. But you could feel the Kedusha of Yushalayim. Oh yeah, yeah that's, uh, you could feel Kedusha. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, the whole Eretz Israel, it's incredibly, the Kedusha is awesome, you know, you know. But if you feel it, that means you're doing something right. Hey, listen, your antenna is picking up this stuff, you know, it's, it's great, you know. Uh, but, but this is the continuum and so on, you know. But uh, anyway, so that, that's, that's the major idea that comes out from the Ramchal. This whole different, it's not the continuum of sin, the mitzvah, it's self and God. Where's God on your radar screen? You know? Okay. <laughs>